0: When four Cornell University students met in Paris, France in 1970, they formed the band King Harvest. After covering a song written by their drummer's brother, they found themselves having their first and only hit in 1972 with Dancing in the Moonlight. This week, I'm joined by my fellow Punchline bandmate Trevor Leonard to see if King Harvest brought the one hit Thunder or if the hit was a supernatural delight. Wonder, or is it one hit hey Trevor, uh, you strike me as someone who has actually danced in the moonlight.
1: Oh, you know that I have, Chris. Do you think? Do you think we've danced together in the moonlight? I think we probably have.
0: I don't know. I, I picture you probably dancing in the moonlight at one of those folk festivals.
1: Yes. I pictured... I, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you and I have actually danced in the moonlight together we've hacked we've, we've hacked in, in the, the moonlight, moonlight for sure <laughs> absolutely but i don't know if we've danced in the moonlight but uh what made you choose this song you you like this song you're a fan
1: i do i'm a i'm a big fan of this song i mean i think you know it, it's it's just that that it really it encapsulates that moment i mean not only are they literally singing dancing in the moonlight but it feels like that, you know, and, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about why what's happening in the song to make it feel like that. But I, I just love that sense of, uh, you know, kind of carefree, just, you know, really celebratory vibes that, that the song brings about. And, you know, it just kind of makes you feel good. You know, I mean, wh- what do you think? Does it, does it make you feel good?
0: I, I haven't I, I never really thought thought about this song too much but yeah yeah it's a it's a pretty good song i I did notice one thing it's it might be the rhymiest song ever yeah (laughs) it's for sure we get it on most every night when that moon is big and bright it's a supernatural delight everybody was dancing in the moonlight everybody here is out of sight they don't bark they don't bite (laughs) they keep things loose they keep things light everybody was dancing in the moonlight
1: End rhyme, man. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's an incredible thing. And and when you read the lyrics like that, it seems kind of goofy, but I actually, that was one thing I wanted to talk a little bit about that, that constant end rhyme, I think it's serving a purpose. Uh, it, it kind of makes it easy. It's predictable. It's comfortable. It, it, it adds to, it enhances and adds to the song in the sense that you're not, you're not thinking you know it's not making you work you know it's it's a playtime it's sight bite light moonlight you know it's carefree it it it's a device i think you know to kind of right. give a a sense of ease and relaxation and like your mind is not working overtime you know and i th- i think that's kind of a cool thing about the song i mean when when we're looking at a song like this or like, why is this a great song? And I think that's one of the interesting things that it makes it danceable. It makes it, you know, carefree and just kind of everything else fades away. It's almost like a, like a funny movie or something. You don't have to think too hard about it and you can just actually dance and be in that moment. Cause that's what, what a a song like this can do is really put you in a specific place and in that time and kind of in the moment to just enjoy yourself, you know? Um,
0: Right. You think King Harvest set out with that in mind, with, with those particular things in mind, or do you think they just were like, it rhymes. That's good. That's good. That's a good
1: question. I mean, I, I can't find any evidence to back that up, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a part of it, you know, reading a little bit about it, the dude, Sherman Kelly, who, who wrote the song, right. He after he was brutally attacked in Saint Croix, and he was like left for dead, um, you know, by by this gang. He was writing this song to envision like an alternate reality, uh, you know, kind of a dream, uh, peaceful, dreamy, joyful celebration of life. So I I wouldn't doubt that that ha- that's a a purposeful thing, you know, to not uh, uh, c- complicate things with. You know complex rhyme or not rhyming which you know there are things that we don't really think about because they wash over us but when we're listening to a song there's a lot of you know subconscious things happening and and i think this is one of the things that you don't think about it until you really dig in and read the lyrics but it adds to that
0: well i i didn't know that backstory that backstory is yeah isn't that
1: wild So he's, he's, you know, recovering from this attack in 1969. um, Apparently this gang eventually murdered eight American tourists and they were what, for whatever reason, set out to do that to him. He was like left for dead. And so while he was recovering, he wrote this song, you know, and, and it's kind of an interesting thing to just think about like good pop songs. They provide that sense of, escape and a sense of you know an alternate reality where you can kind of get above get out of the pain you know like there's so much pain in the world and in life that great pop songs not all of them I mean I I love a great sad song you know but but just thinking about this tune and uh, a lot of great pop tunes that really just kind of transport us to this you know different place where we can just feel good you know what i mean
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah and and he nailed it i mean like that like you know i i think it's super cool that he was envisioning that he needed that in his life at that moment you know he needed an escape and we all do i mean we all need to especially now i mean think about just imagining better times you know and and like kind of wanting to be on you know, an island of sorts, you know, real or, or figurative, like it's, it's just, it's an important thing to kind of take us out of despair, you know? And, uh, and he nailed it. I mean, he, he nailed it, you know?
0: Right. It is interesting to think about that. I, this time there's, there's a lot of, you, you know, as we're recording this, we're, we're in quarantine and just from the world perspective and a personal perspective, just, it's a really rough time. And I personally, other than right now, as we're recording this, I need music on 24 hours, like at yeah, all times. From sure. the time I, I wake up, which I, I sleep with the TV on, but from the time I open my eyes, I have a Bluetooth speaker hooked up. So I just hit play. I have a playlist of songs. You know, unless I want to listen to something specific, it's this like hundred song playlist of I I just need it
1: nonstop. Are are they are they uplifting sort of or or poppy songs that like kind of you know make you feel good or is it just all over the place?
0: I feel very manic in yeah my in my mind, if that's the right way to say it. It's I go from wanting to listen to sad music and be there and know that. That someone else felt the way I did, whether Absolutely. it was through, the, whether it's through the lyrics or just the way the song makes yeah, you feel, or just the vibe just, of it,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: to have that. And then, you know, on the other hand, it's like sometimes I need to open the curtains and let sunshine in and listen to more upbeat music. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes upbeat music when I'm feeling that other way is like nails on a chalkboard to me.
1: Yeah, totally. You know,
0: and it's it is like whiplash sometimes going from one mood to the other. Which you know, if you put a playlist on shuffle and you have both, sometimes I need to like skip. Like, no, I'm not there. I'm not there at the moment.
1: Right now, sure.
0: Yeah, I can't listen to "Call Me Maybe" right now. You know, I need to. (laughs) I'm I'm listening to Shane O'Connor right now. I, I, (laughs) you know, so a song like this, I, I can be in in the right place for, but doesn't. For me, it doesn't automatically bring me to that place of. It could sound terrible to my ears, depending on what my mind, what kind of chemicals my mind is producing at that moment. But you know, I think maybe a maybe a great song can help flip that switch. You know, there there is uh, a way. You you were going to get into the specifics from. I'm assuming from a musical standpoint of why this song makes you feel the, the way you do. I would imagine right off the bat that the electric piano in it, you could play that, that melody. And that would instantaneously, it's very whimsical right and and fanciful and whatever, whatever. And yeah, it does have that dancing in the moonlight sort of feel, even, yeah. even if, even if the song wasn't called dancing in the moonlight, uh, if, yeah. if you play, if you played that, and said to someone like, "Does this make you feel like you're dancing in the moonlight?" Might <laughs> right. Like? Yeah, it does.
1: <laughs> no, I I think you're totally right, and and that I mean, so the song I I love like kind of analyzing structures of songs, especially you know hit songs or pop songs, like why what's what's going on here, you know? And like you said, it starts off with the roads, you know that that piano, which just by nature, the Rhodes piano is, is dreamy, you know, and, and it's up real high. It's like a higher register. So it adds even more of that kind of sparkle, like that moonlight sparkle, you know, and the song as a whole, number one, it's short. It's, it's under, it's just under three minutes. So I think if you can say what you want to say and give the, the the vibe and the sentiment that you want to get across in a song under three minutes, you're in a good spot. You know, I mean, I love a eight minute song for sure but you know just thinking about condensing things into one you know kind of capsule so it starts off with that dreamy roads part you know and then we're like we start hearing the hi-hat comes in a little bit and and just just the nature of a song being short like that i thought was it's kind of interesting to think about good times you know just good times in our lives how they just seem to come and go before we know it you know what i mean and and this song kind of reminded me of that. That it's you know, it, it starts, it's dreamy, and then you're you're in it, the beat kicks in, you know, after this short intro and we're into good times and then before we know it, it's fading out and we it it just like washes over us, you know. I, I thought that was that was kind of a neat thing. But verse one comes in, like we said, we got this constant night, bright, delight, moonlight, end rhyme. A- every end of the line it ends in it, you know. Right. Um, and, and I do think that serves that purpose of just kind of ease, you know, and uh, pleasure kind of. And, and so then the guitar solo, the the fir- guitar solo one, I love that there is a guitar solo one, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love several guitar solo. It, it's quick, you know, it's like comes in, but it's, it's kind of clean. It's kind of verby, a little verby and dreamy, you know, it's another dreamy element. And even like kind of how it's played like these bends and slides, it, I think it's all there it's another device you know that that adds to the kind of moonlight feel the the dreaminess of it we we don't go into the chorus yet we're back into verse 2 the the verses are super short which I I like I think is a good way to hit a pop song have short verses and then verse 2 then chorus 1 kicks in and the cool thing I think about the chorus is well number 1 they're literally singing everybody was dancing in the moonlight. Like you want this to feel like we're dancing in the moonlight and we're singing, everybody's dancing in the moonlight. I mean, it's, it's like self-realization, you know? I mean, I, I don't know if you ever mess with that, Chris, like just almost visualizing and literally saying what you want or where you want to be and, and kind of focusing on it and, there's something about manifesting something like that. You know what I mean?
0: I know for a fact I've done this many times, but you write a piece of music and then it's time to, so say you, you did music first and you, you know, sometimes sometimes you have a melody first, but sometimes you write music first and then and then work on the melodies and lyrics and stuff. But I know many times I've written a piece of music, didn't really know where it was going when I was writing it, but then you have this, you have this piece of music in front of you and then whatever, however the feeling of that, whatever it's making you feel. So say you wrote something and it, it turned out pretty dreamy. So then you named the file like dreamy September or whatever. And right. then, and then you, so you titled it that and then it's like, oh, well now I'm going to write, I'm going to write a song called dreamy September because it made me feel that way. So then I named it that, you know, and, and yeah. then uh, I think that you know, just logically you can go down that road. And I, I know I've done that a lot Absolutely. on my Dropbox of demos. I probably half of them are in one way or another that what right. you're talking about, like whatever it ma- made you feel, then you write that, you know, totally. you mentioned
1: that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm just, trying to j-
0: think in, in punchline, uh, world, if there's any songs like recently of ours that, uh, that happened, on. I have to come back to that.
1: But, I mean, just just um. think about just stay home. You know, I mean, we we literally set out to create a song to encourage people to kind of feel good about sheltering in place and that there's a lot of stuff going on and and the message it was it was that it was like let's self realize the message of just stay home. You know, and uh, right. I I mean I think that's just one example. A, a, the newest example. I mean, we probably have a lot of them, but um, I think that's you know kind of one of those things, you know. Yeah, Steve um,
0: came to us with that with the demo of that song, and right off the bat, that that synth that uh, um, just puts you in that reflective, pensive mood. Right. Um, I, I do think that the chorus has helped bring it home, but it's very it hit me hard. Uh, which is always a good thing when it's your own band song, uh, but it's kind of reflecting on the good times and like looking forward to a hopeful future. Good times, uh, yeah, for sure. But uh, the the various Steve's the word he used was uh, ethereal <laughs> of yeah. the way the synths sound, and that's uh, I think that's another example of instrumentation putting you in a place before the like just like the uh, the roads in "Dancing in the Moonlight" puts you in a place before they even say "Dancing in the Moonlight." Before yeah, it, it establishes that place.
1: the place, right? Yeah, right. So, like in
0: in the same way in our band, that like a, that that ethereal synth puts you in this like what I would describe as how maybe I feel like you yeah. feel this this um, this weight on you. You know, everyone in their own way. Very true. We use that. I'm sure everybody uses that. You know, you're not dancing in the moonlight. You aren't going to play that uh, that that Rhodes line and then sing about uh, a car accident or something. <laughs> yeah. you, are, you aren't going to sing about getting getting attacked by a gang. That right, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think you're totally right. Well, you know, it was funny. I was um, listening to Dancing in the Moonlight and, and actually thinking about the Punchline catalog and thinking, what what's what's the um what punchline song has like the closest feel i was kind of thinking of feel you know what what's the closest feel to dancing in the moonlight that a punchline song has had
0: and what would that feel how would you describe that feel is whimsical as (sighs) yeah
1: whimsical i mean i kept thinking about the that beat it's like very like you know kind of it's a little swing you know to it um I was thinking about like, I mean, this song, it's literally about dancing, but it does kind of just make you move. And actually, so my parents are um, they're big into dancing. You know, they they just have like taken dancing lessons over the years. And then you you see them at a wedding or something. They're just out there rocking out. So I hit them up. I was like, hey, guys, this song Dancing in the Moonlight. What (laughs) what dance would you do to this song? You know? And um and they said that an East Coast swing or a Roomba, and and a Roomba <laughs> is a slower sensual Latin dance, and um for the East Coast swing, it's sort of like an American bandstand kind of a vibe. But I just thought it was interesting to like, you know, think w- what kind of dance would you would you do to this? And I I don't think it's another subconscious thing that I don't think anybody other than trained dancers you know set out to do certain steps but you kind of start moving and i wouldn't be surprised if we went on you know youtube and looked up these dances if like oh i actually i i was doing that just naturally you know right but i kept thinking of uh the punchline song no significant other something about that tune made you know it's like the groove of it like and and it has this kind of whimsical kind of style to it maybe even like the chord change how quickly the chords change and what what the beats doing you know like the ride symbol kind of gets more prominent in the chorus which it does in dancing in the moonlight i mean there's a lot of subtleties you know that we could kind of extract but that was one that you know we, we did that the big delightfully pleased anniversary show so that was sort of fresh in my mind and that one instantly popped up into my mind did you did you any thoughts of uh
0: uh, that would I I wouldn't have guessed that it would have been that, mm-hmm. but but that's cool. That song always reminded me more of like, for lack of a better thing, just because it's fresh in my mind, as like a more punchline, more like upbeat rock. Well, you don't get much more upbeat than this song version of like a that thing you do song. Yeah, you know, like well, totally. Uh, yeah, good point. But yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, which yeah. uh,
1: that's another one that I mean these three songs we're talking about now, they're all major, first of all, major key, you know? Right. Very pop chorus oriented, you know? Back to the structure, actually, with uh, Dancing Dancing in the Moonlight. So we got the intro, the verse one, little guitar solo, verse two, and then we hit the chorus, right? And the thing that I think is cool to note about the chorus from a melody perspective, it's the highest melody point in the, in the song when they hit dancing in the moonlight first of all the harmonies come in it's just a single vocal in the in the verses and then it goes to this kind of like wide gang vocal there's a harmony there's some doubles going on and it reaches the pinnacle of the melody which i think is such a great device for a chorus if you Absolutely. listen you know like i mean like you listen to a lot of pop songs and that's happening there you're not thinking about it but like our minds they extend up you know because the the melody is also reaching this high point you know so i thought that was pretty cool and then it's a quick chorus we hear this dancing in the moonlight starts the chorus and ends the chorus it's like the cap uh, the you know bookends of it so it reinforces that kind of dreamy vibe that like we're literally here in this moment right now dancing you know and then we're we're back to verse three we're back for a quick chorus two and then there's a little longer guitar solo that's got those mm, those dreamy bends i I love that tone i i I wanted to find some recording info about the song i couldn't really find any details other than jack robinson was the producer um he co he co-produced this i guess he was like producing records in French for a long time. <laughs> and right. um he he was sort of getting tired of that. And uh his fellow producer, Pierre Jaubert. Jaubert, I don't know how you say that.
0: Jobert, probably.
1: Jaubert. <laughs> Jaubert. I don't know. They banged this one out and they nailed it. But, you know, structurally, I, I think those are some cool elements. The other thing that I think is really cool about this structure, Chris, is after the second guitar solo, we come back to a fourth verse you're you're fitting four verses by the way into (laughs) a three-minute song which is amazing this is how quick they they are verse four is verse two repeated which i love i I love i kind of love when songs do that and i think it's another stylized thing that kind of it's it's a a washy like let's not think too hard like let's just sing that one again man you know and, and right. i mean it, it allows
0: you it, it allows you to learn the song yeah in probably right. one or two listens and then you're like oh i know this whole song even if you're not consciously paying attention to what part of the song we're on or you know it's never too long it's never too far away from the chorus exactly and, and, you, and you know exactly how the verses are and like you said because it always ends on a rhyme you might know how the line's going to end and be able to sing along before on your first time listening to right, it, right? Because totally, you you know it's going to rhyme and you know that like it, it they're probably setting up in the first half of the the line what it's going to be. So yeah, it's very very instantly singable.
1: Yeah, um, well, I mean it's a cool device. You're right. It, it, like first listen you're like, oh wait, I already heard that line. Yeah, so I know what's coming next. You know, and yeah, right. like because of the end rhyme, you can kind of guess what it's going to you know what what the the end of the line is going to be at least you know yeah so it repeats that second verse and then we're just chorus all the way out chorus three chorus four chorus five chorus six and then (laughs) the whole thing fades out because chris the fun doesn't stop man it doesn't stop it just keeps going i I think that's so cool
0: you should be able <laughs> you should be able to get a version where it fades back in and just keeps going right. like on a loop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They, or they could they could make a ten hour version of this song, just have it keep going. Just um, it never stops. I mean it's Yeah, until until the until you're not dancing in the moonlight anymore. Right. Um yeah. I was looking at some more of the history of this band. This this song reached number thirteen. This is it, it, re- it reached number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100. This is one of those songs that had a sort of renaissance in modern day because the song came out in 1972 and yet this song has been featured in so many things like uh, Better Call Saul, it was on Girls, uh, Umbrella Academy, uh, Bad Grandpa, The Blacklist, like all these current or semi-current things feature this song and yeah. also it's worth noting that a cover of this song was released in 1994 by the Baja Men uh, oh, Really? I don't know that we, version. Who I, I'm sure we're, we're destined to make an episode about Some point uh, yeah. and it was featured in the 2004 movie Fat Albert, starring Keenan Thompson. Hey, this is Dewey Halpus, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects and Ian MacKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat. We go all over the map from fallout boy to slayer. Pure pleasure has it all. Check us out now on sound talent media. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal was chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com/slash one hit fifty and use the code one hit fifty to get fifty percent off. That's code one hit fifty, the words one hit and the number fifty, that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off.
1: Hey, let me ask you, do you, you watched Entourage, the Entourage series, right, Chris? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn this song, th- this song was in some episode of that, wasn't it? I, I, oh, I couldn't sorry. find it, like w- what episode, and obviously I'm not going to rewatch the whole thing. You're not. Well, not not before this interview, at least maybe I will. I, I feel like I kind of have to now, but I, I I'm i pretty sure that my you know, I, I probably heard the song over the years. But in in my more recent years, you know, back when I was watching the series of Entourage, I heard this song. It probably like ends an episode and it's just like such a feel good vibe. And then the songs on. I'm like, what the hell is that song? And I probably I shazammed it, you know. I swear that this is what happened. I can't find what episode it was in, but maybe somebody can back us up. um maybe Matt's out there doing doing the research to f- figure this out <laughs> i am pretty sure that's where I kind of was at least reintroduced, if not you know introduced to this song and I shazammed it and I was like, I gotta learn that song and ever since I learned the song and I, you know I'll play like acoustic weddings like like I'll play a, an acoustic happy hour or a cocktail hour for weddings and stuff every time I play this song and people just love it, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's such a jam and, and it's a perfect song for especially a, a wedding, you know, or, or like any kind of just like fun hang, you know, um, cocktail hours, acoustic, I don't know, bar nights right. that I've done. Uh, right. so it, it, ever since then, it's been in my, uh, my catalog of, you know, tons of cover songs that I have <laughs> at the ready. Are you, uh,
0: do you what do you do you consider yourself a a a Vinny Chase or an E or a turtle <laughs> or a Johnny Drama?
1: Man, I'm probably somewhere in between E turtle and drama. <laughs> <laughs> You're de- I'm definitely not a Vinny Chase. You know, I uh, as much as I want to be. Yeah,
0: everybody wants to be Vinny Chase, but we're right. not. I, yeah. I I thought maybe I I was an E, but I'm probably a turtle. Uh, uh, no, I, I don't, I don't I'd know. say
1: you're that blend too of of the. I mean, because yeah, like we we want to be as organized and as steadfast as E, but we have probably got a little more um, you know, <laughs> like insecurities of drama sneaking in, and then we just like to party and just hang like turtles. So well,
0: know. Turtle's are a little bit of a hustler too. I like That's Turtle's true. always yeah. always trying to make things happen, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Really, really like talking about Entourage, which, you know, granted is a horrendous show, but definitely like, definitely liked it at the time, (laughs) at the time where it doesn't hold up that well. It
1: doesn't hold up great. You know, um, it's hilarious to see like the wardrobes that they, (laughs) that they were in and stuff. But, you know, I mean, we, we are, uh, we're good buddies. We got our band, we got so many great friends. So I think like from that perspective, just relating to it, as you know like hanging with your your buds and and like making stuff happen i mean that's what we do i mean when you boil it down and i think that's what that's what kind of sustains you know and and is like for me the takeaway of like i think at the heart of it that's why i loved it because i love my friends i love making shit happen with my friends you know right yeah so i mean but but my god that movie that was rough (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, so I think um,
1: that's where I heard I heard the song. So um, I, I was
0: one one thing we always think is interesting to look into is when the song came out, like the year it came out. What else was happening in music? Oh, um, yeah. Just to put it to put a put it into perspective a little bit. Uh, Matt supplies me with these notes, um, but it's pretty interesting that 1972 and this American Pie, uh, the song, not the movie. Um, I was like, wait a
1: minute.
0: But American Pie. Oh, wow. uh, Okay. Which, those two songs kind of like, I could see those coming out the same year. Yeah. Amazing song. One of my all-time favorites, Harry Nilsson, Without You. Ooh, nice. But that's on completely the other side. Like, that, you could not find a more polar opposite song. Yeah, that's true. It's like, that. that Is the
1: wallowing song, you know? Yeah, that
0: song's on my playlist. I hear that song. (laughs) Three or four times a day.
1: You got... So you need... The B-side has got to be dancing in the moonlight, you know? Like, that, <laughs> it's a perfect pairing.
0: Heart of Gold, Neil Young, your oh, boy. Oh,
1: nice. Neil, my boy Neil. Oh, um, gosh. What a tune. Holy cow.
0: Nights in White Satin by the new, the Moody Blues.
1: Hmm, That's heady.
0: Yeah, that's that's, a, that's kind of a, a, a strange song. I do like Your Wildest Dreams by the Moody Blues. That's a jam. Uh-huh. Uh, and... And the other, the other one is, popcorn by Hot Butter. I don't think I know that one. <laughs>
1: what? Yeah, I missed that one. <laughs> but
0: yeah, uh, we're gonna have to check that one out. I'm sure maybe Matt will put a clip of that in here right right now. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that's kind of what was going on in 1972. Oh, gosh, what a year. 1972, my parents were juniors slash maybe seniors in high school. uh, And, yeah, maybe they were dancing in the moonlight.
1: Yeah, I I bet they were. Do you think they liked this song back then?
0: Uh, I'd imagine. My my parents – it's weird to me when people aren't, like, big music people. They weren't weren't big
1: music people, right?
0: No. Like Mm – You know, I kind of inherited their record collection that I found in an old closet or whatever. And it's like, you know, Imagine is in there and Seals and Crofts and uh, (laughs) Stevie Nicks and stuff like that. It's pretty, pretty standard stuff. You know, it's not like they were like the super, a lot of times it was what was on the radio, you know, wasn't like, like we are about it and there's nothing wrong with that.
1: It was a different <laughs> you know, time, you know? It's like, well... But yeah, but they weren't right, seeking out yeah. other... They, they weren't like, oh, I gotta go get that new record, you know, that is not gonna be on the radio. Yeah,
0: I don't think so. So I, w- my point being, I assume they probably listened to this song, maybe tapped their toes a bit to it. Yeah. I'm sure.
1: Well, so did you, did oh. you read about how... So there was an original version of Dancing in the Moonlight. So Sherman Kelly was in this band buffalongo and they did a version of this song i guess uh so sherman had a brother wells wells kelly and he was he had joined king harvest and so he brought uh his brother's song to the band and and they dug it and then they kind of did this retake and when you hear them back to back you can look up the buffalongo version of this song maybe matt will play a clip But it's it's way there's there's way less of a swing and like you know this version really it makes you dance and it it feels like it's prepped to to be a dance song, where uh, the other version was less of the dreamy keys and more just kind of like guitar and hi hat and stuff. or like just re-recorded with a different singer and a different producer you know I mean at the heart of it a a good song is going to be a good song but it's it's kind of interesting when an outside perspective can bring something to the table to be like oh I see this song as you know yeah having more of a swing or having the roads be more featured because we got to amplify that you know dreaminess of it or whatever
0: right and and you're you're kind of probably a lot of times if you're making a song with intentions of which i, I assume like most songs are when the recording is being done whoever whether it's the producer the band themselves the engineer everyone has in mind like i want this song to be a popular song <laughs> right that is that is a you know it's it's nice to think that like Everyone is just out there making art to please themselves. And that is, you know, ideally you want to do mm-hmm. is to write something that makes you happy. And then if everyone else is happy, that's a bonus. But the fact of the matter is a lot of times you are trying to make something that everyone's going to like. And a lot of times taking into consideration what at that time it are the sounds that are, on uh, in other popular things what are the tones what are the what are are the instrumentation that is used so this song definitely like if you hear this song you know it's from the 70s yeah you know like there's no doubt like whereas if you if you play me depeche mode or if you play me aha or something like i'm like oh yeah that's from the 80s like yeah just the sound of that you know just has those very 70s sounds you know it's it's like the seventies soft rock.
1: Yeah, it it definitely does. Well, and like you listing, like, like I'm thinking Neil Young now and like thinking of Neil Young tones, uh, you know, and uh, from back then and how, uh, you know, this song and and the Neil stuff from, from that era have some similar vibes, you know, like just, just even, I I mean, Neil's probably got more drier, you know, probably like, but, but then you listen to the, like the plate verb on the vocals and they're they're probably very similar you know it's just like the tools at hand were i mean that's another interesting about the as the eras progress you know right like what tools do you have in the early 70s to you know record with and what oh now we have this weird synth shit in in the 80s or this like we can do a gated reverb on a snare now. Let's do that. Yeah, that'd be cool, you know, in the 80s Hey, I don't
0: like... know the answer to this, and maybe you as a as a producer might know a little bit more of the answer to this. Okay. But at what point at what point did bands you know, there was definitely a point where bands you, you when you're recording, you are play everyone's playing together like it is right. like basically like you might you might O- overdub the vocals, although you might just track those then too. But you're you're playing, which I'm glad we as a band got to do some of that on like the recording of Lion and and things like that. Like that is cool. There is yeah, there is something to be said for that. But the fact of the matter is that a, a lot of times now it's you're tracking one thing at a time. At what point did that happen? At what point did was yeah. there? A whole lot less of the full band playing and that being right, the recording, more,
1: more yeah, more... individual tracking, um, or or multi-tracking. Yeah, I mean, definitely in the eighties, multi-tracking was that... happening. But yeah, I mean, I, I, pro- I wonder back in the seventies for sure. I, I I don't see why not. I mean, a song like this, early seventies, I wouldn't doubt if this was all live. You know, and and they probably right. just have baffles up, you know, and the singers over there and can see everybody, but he's got like. You know, something keeping his sound contained or whatever, keeping the cymbal wash out or whatever. But that's a good point. I mean, a lot of that, certainly Neil Young stuff. You know, he was all about the live stuff, and I, I'm. I mean, you you get this feel. I mean, they're certainly not tracking to a click. You know, like right. dancing in the moonlight. It's it's got some ebb and flow to it, which I think is it adds to it. I mean, they're certainly tight and and playing it. Performing it well, but it it is a true performance, you know what I mean. But uh, but yeah, e- even then, I mean, they they were probably multi-tracking, adding layers on top and stuff. I would think, but maybe not. That's that's a good question.
0: Yeah, I, I I would have assumed too. The 80s, once once everything was, uh, you know, very synth heavy and you know so so yeah, so many electronic elements to the 80s music that I would have assumed. You know, and I also think there was a little bit of a switch, not that there wasn't always like super hot musicians, but like when you go back and I don't know, I don't really know what King, I I guess I saw pictures of King Harvest to know if they were handsome fellas. But, um, (laughs) but when you watch, like I I used to have a few DVDs of this show from the seventies called the midnight special, Mm. which it was live bands playing, but I I felt like some of them were actually playing and some of them were like lip syncing. It's weird. Like oh, I couldn't right. really tell. Yeah I couldn't really I mean... tell. My point being that like some of those bands that were really good and had awesome music were very much not good looking bands. You know, oh, like yeah, sure. uh, like Steely Dan and um and I don't know. There's just so many people that were like so funny looking that like <laughs> just imagining them becoming popular today was was funny to think about
1: king harvest i'm just pulling up an image they i mean they look so 70s man like this one dude's got like a fur coat on um cigarette hanging out of his mouth you know the other dude's got like a high school football jacket on sunglasses Uh,
0: so maybe these guys considering they were one hit wonder and did you dig into any of their other music
1: yeah a little bit um I, i didn't know a ton of it but uh i i was i was listening through to some of their other tracks and i mean there's some cool tunes in there i i like so a little bit of a little bit like magic i guess was their kind of their runner up you know in, in like the closest thing beyond this that they got to a hit which you hear it and it's got a lot of the same elements you know it's got like very prominent roads you know keys um like that dreaminess to it, but uh, but yeah, it doesn't have this like quite the same magic, you know, and right
0: then, i I wasn't impressed with anything that's like when i when I dug deeper before on Mungo Jerry, you know, Mungo Jerry in, uh, no. in the summertime in the summertime oh da, yeah, <laughs> right. So like I was like I like this song. I want to check out some more Munga Jerry songs. And I was just like, oh no, nope, that was a bad <laughs> that was a bad idea to check out other uh, King Harvest wasn't quite the extreme, it wasn't but it's I... not
1: that bad. I mean yeah, it's like yeah. you know I I like they they had another song Take It Easy and it was kind of like it was a cool sort of like sultry groovy song. Some of their later mm-hmm. stuff was it 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 almost felt like a different band. You know it felt like kind of like a like more of a twang to it like a country-ish style or something yeah dude
0: once once you start bringing in too much of the twang or too much of like the southern influence in music yeah. it loses me uh-huh. i mean i guess that of course there are exceptions to every rule for me like i'm sure there there are right. a few country songs i like a few like what whatever maybe there's a few songs with a southern flair that i like Mason but not Ramsey a lot comes to mind yeah right right but <laughs> For the most part, that's like where I'm like, ah, no, I'm good on that. You well, know? especially I,
1: where it's like, I mean, like a band like this is very, you know, I mean, they're kind of East Coast dudes. Like Sherman Kelly was born in D.C., and then I guess he was, um, you know, he was like in New York City for a while. And then he, oh, he went to college at uh, Cornell, which I thought was. Yeah,
0: three of them did. They yeah, went a to bunch Cornell. of them did,
1: right? That's, that's wild. Yeah, so they're a bunch of. So they're East Coast dudes. So, I mean, like. Or like well north northeast rather. I mean yeah, basically to say preps. this. <laughs> they weren't they weren't southern, you know. Um so I mean
0: And they met in France, right? They're a bunch of right. preppy guys that met in France. Like so they're the fact that there would be any there's not any Southern influence here. These are Ivy League dudes meeting in France. Yeah, what <laughs> so, a wacky
1: thing. Yeah. Well I um, guess so so like, he was playing in bands in the Caribbean in, like, 1967 to 69. And then um, I was reading – Sherman Kelly has, like, a website, and, and he was he's talking about how in 71 he ran a nightclub called the Grass Shack, which I think is a pretty good name, in St. Mm-hmm. Thomas in Virgin Islands. And uh, he was, like – I don't know. His brother was involved, uh, Wells, and the former road manager for the Mamas and the Papas and some other people and I guess from there he joined the band, the Buffalo band with Larry Hoppen, um, who Larry Hoppen, I guess was in Orleans, which is the band that Sherman Kelly's brother Wells Kelly, um, started. So then that band recorded it. Then his brother Wells, um, you know, joined King Harvest and was playing with them. And, uh, So Buffalongo was playing around the States. They broke up in 72 and then Sherman Kelly just kept prepping it up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And he was apparently writing scripts and scoring films. And um, I guess he, he was notified that his old Cornell friends in King Harvest had a big hit with dancing in the moonlight. I I I wonder if they even like told him, you know, Hey, we're going to record this song and then make, make it a huge hit or if they're just like, Oh, by the way, um, yeah, we recorded your tune. It's a huge hit now. Here's some money. Thanks for the, for the oh, song. Oh, wh-
0: wait, wait, hold on. I- <laughs> wait, you're saying that Sherman Kelly wrote the song, but he wasn't in the band when they recorded the song.
1: I guess not. Yeah. So Whoa, cause he says okay. his, that's, so his brother wild. was in the band in King Harvest. They recorded it. It became a hit and then they invited him to join the group and tour in support of the hit uh. record. And then later that year, like, later in 73, they recorded an album that was never released until 2007, King Harvest Jeez. The Lost Tapes. And that is what I think I was hearing and feeling like, this sounds kind of, um, you know, a lot more twangy or something. Is that okay. what I'm thinking of? But maybe, actually, maybe I'm not. Oh, no, Lost Tapes is what a little bit of, like, magic is on. I- I'm thinking of the best of King Harvest had some... Some twangy tunes on it.
0: Yeah. But they're, they're truly a one hit wonder. No doubt about it. Like sometimes there's like, there's some like controversy over like, no, this band had another hit. Right. No, they did. That's not a hit. This band, it's straight up one hit wonder. They, they kind of hit the nail on the head with writing a song that was perfect for the time and has remained pretty timeless. I I will say. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I, I think that we usually decide at the end of the episode like, hey, is this a one hit blunder or did they bring the one hit thunder i think that goes without saying that they we both think it. that they they brought it they oh, brought yeah. the thunder big time this song has been around before us it'll probably still be around after us so uh king harvest you did a good job with your song you
1: did great guys <laughs> well done um,
0: and trev you did a good job with your episode
1: thanks chris you did a great job too man it's been a lot i hey I, I
0: just i just i just been sitting back you you're very knowledgeable man
1: well, it's cool yeah. to. Di- I, I mean, I just love digging into into songs. You know, kind of the mechanics of of songs, and I mean, especially right. when, yeah, I mean, when you're when you're looking at like a big hit, you know, it's like what what was going on there, you know. And I, I think right. it is interesting to see. I mean, you guys have have done a bunch of these episodes. I don't know if you're seeing any. Are there any like, I don't know, similarities of of what makes it happen? I mean, I think the the funky thing is that every every song is in a very specific time and place and what's happening, who's on the team. There's so many factors that go into it, but I mean, how many episodes have you done of this? You know, uh,
0: probably like 15 now or right. so. Well like over not, not all of them. Yeah. Not all of them are out yet, but well, um, so
1: I mean, what yeah. do you, is there anything you've learned? Is there anything that you've seen? Is, is there something that dancing in the moonlight shares with, you know, uh, I don't the, know, teenage dirtbag or something.
0: Yeah, I, I I do think that they're the one thing, and this is probably very obvious, but whether it's a, a stupid song like Barbie Girl or it's a good song like Dancing in the Moonlight or whatever, that all of them, love them or hate them, you remember them. Right. you know that you know these songs you know like there's a
1: memorable uh, chorus or something i guess right yeah
0: that's that's the main part it, yeah. and i would say even more specific it's a memorable line yeah you know dancing in the moonlight's like dancing in the moon yeah probably brought the name of the song whatever the name of the song the name is of the song is
1: in the chorus
0: it's in the chorus yeah and it is very memorable easy to sing easy to like if you said to me, like, what song is Dancing in the Moonlight? And I said to you, Dancing in the Moonlight. Right. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's yep, easy yep. That's all you needed. It's yep. all you needed.
1: Good point. Was that,
0: you know? Like, what song is Barbie Girl? I'm a Barbie girl. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that
1: song. You know, like. It's interesting. Those, those few songs we just named, they all, like, clearly stating exactly what they're trying to say. Like, they're not beating around the bush or anything. They're saying. What do you want to say in this song? Oh, I want to say I'm a Barbie girl. Oh, okay, just sing that. It's like, what do you want to say in this song? I want to say everybody's dancing in the moonlight. Okay, just sing that. I mean, we should just sing what we mean, Chris, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I think
0: think that maybe those, to take it one step further before we go here, is not only are those one-line things memorable, but also those one lines like you said about this song earlier they paint a very specific picture in your head so like you're hearing this and then it's like okay dancing in the moonlight you can that that paints a picture in your head of dancing in the moonlight barbie girl paints a picture in your head of a barbie you know
1: you can visualize it all of these and all of these hits they're all hits that we're talking about and they're all related like that's what uh, you need a hit to be relatable because if you're going to have it, you know, be liked by five of your friends, well, then it can be about the time, you know, Jimmy fell in the well, you know. Um, But if you want it to be about everybody else that they can relate, it's like when when have we all felt this way or when have we all wanted that or when have we all been in this same moment? You know what I mean? Right i think that's kind of a neat thing about about all these songs and i'll tell you guys i'm learning a lot from these podcasts so it's it's super cool and uh i you know i'm sure everybody that's listening is as well so keep them coming appreciate you guys
0: cool man thanks for coming on
1: yeah thanks for having me This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Ophalios of the band's Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. Right now, you're listening to No Significant Other from Punchline's album Delightfully Pleased as referenced earlier in the show. Visit punchlion.com for updates, as well as news, merch, and future tour dates. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps. Stay safe out there, love each other, and soon we'll all be able to hug you. But until then, tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Listening to the Geekscape Network. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, aka Lord Izak, interview artist from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill. LA street photographer Estevan Oriol Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law and pro wrestler Vampiro to name a few if you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs tune in and join the fun
0: hey this is Chris Swinney formerly of the Ataris and currently host of that one time on tour part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network